Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Today, we will in one way continue and in another way conclude this month's series from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. And we will be picking up in verse 13. Pray with me. God, you are good, you are holy, you are majesty everlasting to everlasting, and you are love And you love the sinner and make a way for them to find you. And you find to to find your goodness, to find your love, to find your grace. Deliver us. Amen. So as we've been studying, Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6, and he says in verse 9: In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. 
these last few weeks, we've studied Jesus' instruction on prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In prayer, we show adoration. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In prayer, we humbly accept God's will with submission. Give us this day our daily bread. In prayer, we seek God's loving and perfect provision. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In prayer, we bring our sin to confession. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In prayer, we petition for our liberation. Verse 13 is going to be our focus today. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or from evil, some translations may say. More on that later. Deliver. The forgiven followers of Christ present their own weakness to him. The Christ follower learns that we don't just need deliverance from our past sin. We need deliverance from our struggle with sin. If we look at what we begin to distrust here, verse 13 shows us that we cannot rely on our own strength to overcome sin in our lives. When temptation comes our way, we do not trust ourselves to handle that sin alone. After all, how did we end up in the sin mess in the first place? We couldn't handle it. You might think, well, it's Adam and Eve's fault but we'll talk a little bit about them later. We cannot trust ourselves with sin. The other day, I was putting up floating shelves on the wall. And if there's one thing I shouldn't be trusted to do, it's to put up shelves on walls. Okay? I'll measure everything over and over again. I'll check everything with a level several times. I will mark everything with a straight edge. I will line it up, and then I'll do it all over again a few more times just to make sure I got it all right. And then I'll put the shelves up. Every time. You could say, I just can't trust my shelf. No matter what I do, the shelves will always be uneven or offset. I have shelves in my living room. They look like they're purposely offset. I'm glad they look that way on purpose. Some of you might be thinking, well, Nick, you should get a laser level, right? Go get a laser. Okay, star command. Go get a laser. Like, go get a tool that could handle the job, make it much easier, be the preferred way of doing things, just take it all out of my hands and leave it up to something that's very calculated and precise. That's why we say we can't trust ourselves with sin. That's why we petition, don't lead us into temptation. The sinner distrusts himself and trusts God when it comes to temptation. The heart, we can't trust the heart. We are prone to wander. We are prone to leave the God we love. So we ask him to bind our hearts to him. And why wouldn't you choose to seek Christ? Just like the laser, he is more than sufficient to deliver you. 
from crooked shelves and sin. Now, time out. Some of you might be thinking, why would we be asking God not to lead us? Like, wouldn't he already be doing that? First up, God may test us. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. The heart. What's in the heart? Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God may test us. He may test our hearts. He may test our minds. But that's not all he's doing. If we look closer at the issue of sin, we see there's more. There's desire. James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15 we see our sin can be traced back to our heart. James 1.13 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown brings forth death. That is why we pray for God to lead us far from our vices. Our sin is traced back to our own heart, our desires. That's why we don't trust ourselves with temptation. And God isn't just steering us into temptation, wondering how bad we're going to mess up this time. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God isn't just like leading you in temptation and being like, oh, let's see what happens this time. He's leading you into temptation to show you his goodness, to show you that he makes a way for you to be delivered from temptation, delivered from sin. He is making the way out for you. He is showing you that those desires can be replaced with a desire for him, a desire for his heart, for his word, for his love. And we see that transformation in our hearts as we pursue his word. Even in temptation, God knows our weakness and makes way for our deliverance from evil. We distrust ourselves in temptation, but we can trust Christ to make the way for us. Part of this is denial. We deny the desires of the sin and death so that through Christ we might live. Luke 9.23, Jesus says, or he's speaking, in, and then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. The denial of sin is part of what it means to follow Jesus. Now, we do not trust ourselves with temptation. We find sin is traced back to our own hearts, but there's something else. Verse 13, 
And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The evil one. Or in some translations, evil. The Greek here is interesting. In either way, the Bible tells us of the reality of evil and the reality of Satan. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Throughout the New Testament, the church is aware of Satan's schemes and influence. Evil is out there. So what do we do? When it comes to the devil, the followers of Christ petition for Christ's strength. Christ's power is perfected. Hebrews 2.10, we see that Christ alone proves his power to save. Take a look with me. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. This is talking about salvation, talking about Jesus being the perfect candidate to lead us to salvation. Another note here, the author of Hebrews is not saying that Jesus was not perfect and then became perfect with regard to sin. Jesus is holy, he is righteous, so what is the author saying? The word perfect here is more like qualified. God saw that it was fitting to make Jesus qualified to be our savior through suffering. And the context of suffering in the New Testament is often related to enduring trials and enduring temptation, as it is here. That was part of Jesus' suffering. For Jesus to prove his qualifications to save humans, he became human. He lived, he suffered, he faced temptation. Even Satan himself tried to stop him. And finally, with one of the most commonly occurring, you might say, fatal flaws of the human experience, Jesus died. But he did it all without sin. Now, what is Jesus taking on all these qualifications for? It is to represent humanity before God. Adam and Eve did that before. Didn't work out so great. But this time, this time the holy and righteous God that can know no sin is representing us before God. In the first garden, the serpent spoke, and Adam and Eve chose their own desires. But in Gethsemane, Jesus spoke to God and sought his Father's will. This time, our representative cannot fail. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. When it comes to power, Satan's power over us has been destroyed by the perfected power of Christ. With Christ's dying breath, what would have been our weakness, with Christ's dying breath, Jesus demonstrates his perfect 
power over sin and death. That would have been it for us. But with Jesus, Satan's power is destroyed in death by Christ's perfection in life. We cannot trust ourselves with face with sin and evil, but we can turn to the one who has destroyed the works of Satan. That is why we petition for Jesus' strength in our weakness through prayer. And there's more. There's promise. The desire for sin is replaced by a love for God. Hebrews 10:19 says, "Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God." Everyone remember what a high priest does? A high priest represents the people to God. Jesus is our new high priest. Verse 21, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Isn't it interesting that with the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus is teaching his followers to petition the Father for the very thing Jesus is there to accomplish. He is there to provide. He is there to bring the kingdom. He is there to forgive sins. He is there to make a way out of evil and temptation. He is there to deliver us. He is there to bring liberation to his people. The gospel is right there in the prayer. In prayer, we seek the promise of our faithful high priest that he would sanctify us with hearts now desiring holiness instead of sin. Next, we have the dominion of Christ. The Christ follower perceives the perfections of God. The prayer concludes with a resounding declaration of the majesty of God. It is simple, but the simplicity contains depths that the human mind cannot fully grasp. And it is sincere. The kingdom is on earth as it is in heaven. And when the forgiven pray to their Jesus, the kingdom has come to their heart too. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For yours is the sovereignty of God. All power and glory are presently and eternally his. We pray to God because his is the world and everything in it. Because of his, his is the power to intervene on our behalf. Because his is the glory to do his good and perfect will forever. It is why we hollow his name. It is why we await his kingdom. It is why we look to him for our daily needs. It is why we go to him in confession. It is why we seek him for deliverance. And when we go to him in prayer, because of these things, it is worship from the heart. We are acknowledging all these things about him in our hearts. We perceive who he is. And it's a personal understanding. It's no longer just text. It's a prayer from the heart. The heart acknowledges the supremacy of Christ. We glorify and we praise God with our prayers. To call him king, 
to ask him for bread, to confess to him your sin, to petition for his freedom, that's worship. Because there is no one greater. His name is above every name. His is the glory forever. His is the power forever. His is the kingdom forever. Christ reigns enthroned forever. Tonight, we're going to gather as a church and go to that throne to pray. And we would love to have you with us. Come with us. Come pray. If you can't make it, set some time out tonight to pray from wherever you are alongside of us. And we're going to seek the Lord for this year. How he would have us reach, teach, and launch as a church here in our community. And we would we'd love to have you all with us. One last thing as the worship team makes their way back up on stage. As we have been all this month, we will go uh, into one more worship piece. And we have a lot to praise God for today. Bring your heart into that worship. And after that worship, we're going to take a few moments to gather just where we are in the sanctuary and pray together. And if that surprises you, you did come to a message on prayer. Just say. But we're going to pray. Bring your heart to God when you pray. He knows. He cares. He loves. And, and you don't need to impress him or anyone in this room with your words. God is what is impressive about prayer, not us. He's what's impressive. God, help me. God, provide for me. God, forgive me. God, save me. We talked a good bit about sin and evil today, about our weakness, about Christ's strength, about Christ's rule. And this is the last point, and I don't want you to miss it. There is sympathy. The throne from which Christ holds all power and glory is a throne of grace. The author of Hebrews writes in chapter 4, verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we were, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The throne from which Jesus rules his kingdom with all power and all glory forever is a throne of grace. And you're invited to that throne in prayer. Let's pray. God, you are good. And when there is temptation, you will make a way. When the devil roams, you are death defeater. When we are weak, your love is strong. You are mercy. You are liberation. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory forever. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. 
please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.